Well, good morning, friends. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Would you all stand with me? We believe that the Spirit of God is already here in this place, and the longing is for us to encounter Him this morning as we worship. So let's sing and let Him bind us together in unity and command a blessing over us in this space. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. As the Spirit was moving over the waters, Spirit, come move over us. Rest on us, come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us, come rest on us. Come now, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart bow. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. Here and I know you will fill me. Come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart bow. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you.
you guys a new song this morning. It's called Faithful and True. It's going to be on the new New Life Worship album, which is going to be live recorded next first Wednesday service, October 4th. All eight of our New Life congregations under one roof recording this album together. We would love for all of you to be there, but we're going to want to sing a couple songs leading up to it to get you guys introduced to the songs that are going to be on that album. And so we want to teach it to you this morning, just about the faithfulness of God. He's the same through all generations. So let's sing this and be reminded of who he is this morning. We have this confidence. We have this confidence in Jesus. His blood has brought us into freedom. There is no other that can save us. Cause we know, it's we know, it's Jesus.
thank you that you are making a highway through the valley and that in every pain there is a promise. Lord, we thank you that you are always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. Lord, help us to abide in your love this morning. No branch can bear fruit by itself. We have to remain in you. Lord, our strength comes from you. You are our only hope. Anything good that comes from us is fruit of your love and who you are at work in us. Lord, we receive it again today as a free gift. Lord, we say we are your vessels. If it helps to open up your hands, Lord, we are your vessels today. You have full permission to move in and through us. Let us be your light carriers, your love carriers, Lord. We wanna abide, we want to remain in you this morning as we sing of your love. Mm, we love you, Jesus. Help us to remain in you, God. You're
Father God, what an amazing thing that you invite us to abide in your presence, that everywhere we go, there you are, that we can't run far enough or fast enough to escape your love, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you uh, for allowing us to be aware of your presence in this place, to bask in your love and your grace. We just ask that your will would be done today in our lives, in our church, in our work, in our ministry, in our families, in this city, that your will would be done and your kingdom come. We ask all of these things in your name, Jesus, by your power, by your blood, for your kingdom and for your glory. Good morning, friends. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. I'm Jenny Sue. I'm one of the volunteers. And this week I had a friend visit from Texas. She came up from Houston and mountains are all new to her. So of course we took the top off my Jeep and we headed up to the top of Pikes Peak. And she was just struck with awe and wonder. The day was beautiful. The weather was glorious until we got about a mile from the peak. And you know, you live here, what happens when you get a mile from the peak? We drove straight into the clouds. And actually that was good for me because I was driving and I'm afraid of heights. So when you get up at the top and there's no guardrails, it totally just freaks me out. But there were clouds, so I couldn't see the edge that we were about to plummet off of. But we got to the top 
and it was snowing and there were clouds you couldn't see more than you know a couple of hundred feet ahead and I was struck by the idea that in in ancient times God says that he would dwell in a dark cloud and there's so many times in our lives for me at least that I've been in a really dark season and I couldn't see what step was in front of me and it felt like God's presence was so far away that I couldn't hear his voice that I didn't feel like my prayers were being heard it was just darkness everywhere I looked but when I was up on the top of the mountain with my friend Courtney I was thinking you know it is exactly places like this that God's presence dwells in in the Old Testament when it says he dwells in a, uh, a dark cloud when Solomon built the temple God's glory came down into the temple with such force that the priests couldn't enter in and complete their work. And I wonder, I'm curious, if it isn't those spaces in our lives, those dark spaces that we can't see the next step, that it seems so hard and scary and God seems so far that maybe that's exactly when he is the closest. And so it is my heart and my desire, and I know it is that of this church, that we can all become bridges of grace. When your friends, your neighbors, the people in our community are in darkness and they don't know the next step, perhaps God in his mercy will allow us to be a bridge, the hands and feet of Jesus showing them that God sees you, he hears you, he is here, he is here in this darkness. And one of the ways our church does that is by giving. Um, if you don't know what other ways to minister, when you give a portion of your finances um, to New Life, it is serving our community and even our globe in really dynamic ways, bringing Jesus into the darkness. Well, really, he's already there, isn't he? He's already there. So I invite you to explore the ways that you can give and I thank you for being part of our congregation. And I hope today, whatever you're facing, that you find Jesus' presence there. Let's invite him into the space of our hearts. Heavenly Father, redeeming, creating, Jesus Christ, revealing and saving, Holy Spirit, comforting, praying the perfect will, the perfect will. Heavenly Father, redeeming, creating, Jesus Christ, revealing and saving, Holy Spirit.
Lord, thank you for the invitation to be with you. Thank you that because of your son and through your Holy Spirit, we can always encounter you. That the veil has been torn. Lord, thank you for being with us, for encountering us in worship. Prepare our hearts for what you want us to hear today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying, what you're doing in this room. We welcome you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. We're gonna continue our worship in just a minute, but we're gonna dismiss the kids to go to their classes. The rest of you turn and greet one another. We'll be right back up here with the word in just a moment. Thank you. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Good to see all of you. I see some new faces. Thanks for coming to Manitou, checking it out. We got Ron Duncan. He's here. Good to see Ron. Uh, Britt is here with a boot cast. You know, this building isn't the easiest building to get in and out of, uh, but we have some people that are dedicated to be here. So thanks for being here. A uh, missionary from Myanmar, Mr. Calm is here. You'll have to meet him. Uh, sitting across from them, missionaries from Brazil, Alan and Kathy Myatt uh, are back in town. They, they live here half the time in Brazil, half the time. Anyways, just wanted to greet you. Thank you for being here. If you want to get started turning into scripture, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. This is the passage where Solomon 
after completing the temple in Jerusalem, prays a blessing over that temple. But before we get to the reading of the scripture, I'll give you the title for today. It's My Name Shall Be There. This is God speaking. This is God's promise about the temple, which I would say this is now where, where we meet, where, where Christians gather, a place where, where it's devoted to worship. The Lord promises and says that he will be there, specifically in the text it says, my name shall be there. My name shall be there. That's the title of today's sermon. So before I read the passage of scripture, let me tell you a story, a story of why this passage is pretty important to me and to this church. So a couple years ago, we launched New Life Manitou. New Life Church is a um, eight congregations, six locations, speaking three different languages. And six years ago, we launched this congregation, Manitou. We began meeting uh, monthly in town hall in Manitou. We met at a uh, park for a little while, and uh, we were looking for permanent space. This space became open to us because it was a Masonic Lodge, and then a person bought it to do an event center. We began seeking about being an event here, and then we became the primary event every Sunday, and now we lease the building. We don't own the building, but we lease it, and we wanted, before we met here on a weekly basis, we wanted to pray and dedicate this space because it had been for uh quite a long time, a Masonic Lodge here in Manitou. And we thought, man, that it's, it's very beautiful, very cool that the Lord is repurposing this building. But what in the world is a Masonic Lodge? And what in the world happened in this place? And we thought, man, we really want to pray over it because you probably don't know too much about Masons. They're, they're kind of on the decline. Uh, the joke is, is that they're, they're the Boy Scouts for old men. Um, but... Um, Whatever they were, they, they kind of, if you talk to Masons, and I do know some people who have been Masons, and they'll tell you, oh, it's just a good organization. They're, they're saying is to teach good men how to become better. And uh, they say, we're, we're not religion. We're not meant to replace a religion. And yet, some of the things they do are very ritualistic and spiritual, and people from different religions can supposedly come, and there's a great grand architect god that they kind of do these, I don't know if seances is the right word. It just seems a lot to, it seems like a lot of spiritual stuff to not be a religion. And so we wanted all that to say, we wanted to pray over the space and dedicate it. So the Sunday before we launched a weekly service, we had a Saturday. People came early. People prayed. Some people said, Let, let's go around the building seven times like they did in Jericho in the book of Joshua. So we did that. We had anointing oil. We anointed uh, different, uh, that we anointed the altar. We had a wooden cross at that point. We anointed the wooden cross. We uh, went around the building praying for it. And then uh, the, the culmination of that Saturday was we all gathered here. And I read the passage, at least a part. I read that day, the whole passage. Today, I'm just going to read a part of where Solomon prays a prayer of dedication over the space. And so would you stand with me? We're about to read this passage. Solomon is referring to himself, so be aware as we're reading. Solomon refers to himself as, his, as the Lord's servant. So he's kind of referring to himself in third person. Here's what it says. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 28, Solomon is praying over the now completed temple that took about seven years to complete. And here he prays, yet give attention 
to your servant's prayer. He's referring to himself and his prayer right now. That, that, and his plea for mercy. Lord my God. So he's praying, listen to what I have to say. And then he says it. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day. The place where you said, and then here's the title of today's sermon, the place where you said, God promised this, my name shall be there. So that you will hear the prayer of your servant, praise towards this place, hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place, hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you now. We say that you are in our midst. Lord, we, we say that we, we take on this promise as the people of God gathered here in this holy place. And we declare and we thank you, Lord, that you are here. Your name is in this place. You promised us. You, Jesus, you said that whenever two or three or more are gathered in your name, your presence is there. You'll be with us. And Lord, we, we seek your presence. We welcome your presence here in this holy place. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people at New Life. Manitou Springs shouted. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Let me give you uh, point number one. I often have uh, three points to my sermon. It's kind of a joke because that's that, uh, when I say almost always. I, I, really much, I pretty much always have a three-point sermon. Keeps me organized, if anything else. The first point today is that this is a power, just kind of the, the general idea that, that place is important. I've worded it like this, the power of place. I'll say it again, the power of of place, and you might realize that this is. Um, uh, I'm taking the title from my friend Daniel Grothy's book. He wrote a book. He's uh, the pastor of New Life Church Friday Night, and two years ago he wrote a book called The Power of Place. Uh, the subtitle is Choosing Stability in a Rootless Age, and the whole book is about how we should be planted where we are and grow roots where we are. We live in a world where the grass is always greener, where people are always moving around. But as you move, when you get there, when you are in a place, draw your root. Even if you know you're only going to be there so long, put your roots down. Let the Lord work in you and through you. And he has a lot to say about the power of place in worship, the power of the church, the power of the weekly gathering, the power of the place that it is that you come and, and worship the Lord. So the power of place is this first point. And I want to, for the next maybe five minutes, preach to you. Are you okay if I preach to you? And some of you are like, what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? You're already preaching. You preach every week. What do you mean you're about to preach? What does that mean? Well, I want to challenge you. And I want to, uh, so some of you are like, wait, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Challenge us. I want to challenge you. I want to uh, turn our attention away from this cultural idea that I'm sure has penetrated the church. I'm sure it has penetrated many of us because it's penetrated me. And it's, it's this idea and this concept that church really isn't that important. The place of church, the gathering of church, that it isn't that important. And I want to preach to you. Can somebody say amen? I want to preach to you about the power of church for just a minute. And, and, and the, the opposite of that idea goes something like this. Because I've, 
when I was in college, I lived in Utah, and they have mountains that were 20 minutes away, and a ski resort that was about 20 minutes away. So I spent a lot of time skiing through my college years in Ogden, Utah, at this wonderful resort called Snow Basin. And they would get like these lake effect winds off the salt lake, and it would be this really powdery snow. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Not speaking bad about Colorado snow and skiing, but I will say that the, 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 the skiing and the snow in Utah was, it was quite nice. So I would go skiing on Sunday mornings and I'd be skiing down, come to a stop, be breathing hard because we're at 10,000 feet. And then I would look out and the clouds would be below. There would be a parting of the clouds. You could see the lake. You could see trees, mountains popping up everywhere. And I would usually think of something to say along the lines of, now this is my church. I would, I would think that. I would say that this, you know, this is what I do on Sundays. I go, and isn't it great to be in the, in, the, in the wild? And isn't it great to be in God's creation? I would think that, and I would say that to myself. Like, this is my church. And what I want to preach against right now is that attitude. And, and why I want to preach against that is, is because, well, I was, I was much younger and I had this like me-centric, and we all do. We have like the me time. I don't even like that phrase, but you know what I mean, right? The, and, and for you, it might not be skiing. You're, you, some of you are like, well, I don't even go skiing, so you're not preaching against me. Well, I, I'm preaching a message that the that, that, that attitude of, and maybe it's hiking for you. Maybe it's golf for you. Maybe it's we know of people. Maybe you're looking at each other like I just said this the other day about something that I enjoy doing and how I get so much out of it and it's a holy thing. Maybe it's getting your nails done or going to the spa or just whatever your me time is. I think in our culture we could say, well, that getting my me time is kind of like my church. People say that. I've said that. I'm, I'm preaching against you know, this attitude that is so prevalent today that, that it's just ingrained into us that whatever we do for ourselves is healthy and holy and good, and we could just call that our church. Let me give you a definition for church. I'm going to get into two Greek words. I'll just mention them, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get beyond the Greek words because I don't want to get uh, down in the, the, the mud and the weeds of these Greek words. But this will be, since I'm bringing up Greek words, this will be a nerd alert. If you know what to do, this is a nerd alert. All right? Uh, ecclesia and koinonia. In the Greek New Testament, there's two concepts that go hand in hand with what the church really is. Ecclesia is the gathering together, the holy gathering of the saints, the Christians, the believers, the followers of Christ, gathering together to worship, to go before the Lord, to lay our lives down before him, the gathering together. That's ecclesia. The other word is koinonia. You probably know what that word means. Koinonia is fellowship. It's, it's the, 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 not just the gathering together, but the deep community that we have with one another. I think of like last week, the men's group went to the mountains. We had a camping weekend. We came back. We had church here. And after church, men were just, just talking about the retreat. They're talking about their lives. They're praying over one another. It was absolutely wonderful. You just think, oh, okay, that's what community looks like. That's what fellowship looks looks like, and it's wonderful. So you have the two, ecclesia, the gathering together, the, 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 the looking at the word of God, the preaching of the word of God, the singing songs, the worshiping the Lord, that's ecclesia. And you also have the community, 
the fellowship, the, the knowing one another, the living life outside of these walls with each other. That's what the church is, ecclesia and koinonia. And what I'm preaching against is the, the very, I, I want to preach it pretty strong, the very selfish idea that we come to church just for like the me and God. Like I, I'm going to just, you know, it's all about me and God. It's all about the me time. And I'm preaching against that because church should be the gathering together and the self-sacrifice. That we're not coming here for ourselves. We're not gathering. We're not worshiping ourselves. We're coming to lay our lives down and worship God. Can someone say amen to that? And you might be like, man, Joe's fired up today. I am a little fired up today. And, and I'm preaching to you. And I hope, I pray that what you're hearing is, is an attitude of, being, uh, of sharing a, a word with you, a correction, a challenge that is in love. I think as Christians, we can really wander from the main thing. We can get away from the main thing. And Jesus tells us the main thing. He says, you want me to summarize the whole Christian faith? You want me to summarize the law and the prophets? He said, love God and love each other. That's what he said. So if, if we ever stray from that and you, we get like mean with each other and there's no love, then it's like we have strayed from the main thing. So I, the main thing is love God, love each other. And so here's what I want to say. One last word of challenge that I think many of us come to church or think of church because of this mindset of being a consumer. And it's just, it's just a part of our world. We are a consumer world, a consumer society. We go to places and we write reviews and we're always kind of like, what am I getting out of this experience? And I think sometimes we could go to church like it's a brunch or something. And we go and we show up and we're like, waiter, Oh, wait, uh, excuse me, wait, waiter, can, uh, can, 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 can anybody come over here and look at my, this isn't what, the eggs are all runny, I asked for hard, and these eggs are runny, can you take these eggs away and go get my hard, this isn't cooked right, can you blah, 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 and, and I think sometimes we take that attitude into church and we're like, God, you know, this isn't, my life isn't this or that, and it's, ah, it's all about us, isn't it? I mean, isn't that, the, the, isn't that the great sin of selfishness? Isn't that, I, I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching at myself as well. Isn't this just the human condition that we are all, we want to worship ourselves. We want to make ourselves higher than we ought. We want me, 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 me. And we bring that, don't we, all of us, to church. Lord, help us. The temple, that I'm going I'm to talk about the temple and refer to the temple and make some comparisons today with the church and the presence of the Lord. Um, the, it's all about coming to the Lord and, and giving, coming to the Lord and sacrificing our worship, our time, bringing before the Lord his glory do his name. Amen? One more thing on this, uh, and then we'll move on to the next point. I, I think about um, the, the power of place, the power of coming to a building like this. And we, we as a staff, myself included, have, have tried to think through, okay, we, we come in and outside is a, a coffee and a welcome table. We want you to know that you're, you're welcomed. And the, the fellowship, the koinonia aspect of church is very important to this gathering. We want you to know as you come up the stairs and you look at the center of our building, the center of our room is a cross. We want you to know that, that first and foremost, central to the preaching, central to the word of God is Jesus on the Christ, his sacrifice for us. So we don't, we don't come into church that me, me, me. We come into church 
open hands, ready to receive and ready to give to the Lord of, of ourselves when we come into this place. We have candles. We, we, we're representative of that the Jesus is the light of the world. We have the elements of communion, the bread and the cup up here, remembering the mystery that Christ's body and blood was broken and shed for us. This space, there is power here. The presence of the Lord is here. And what I want to do is, is now compare the Old Testament temple with today and really what the Old Testament temple sought to do. So this is now point number two. Point number two is what the temple seeks to do. The temple is where Eden is reversed. What do I mean by that? Well, the temple, and I would say this place, one of the ways we could think about it is that what we're trying to do in church is to reverse Eden. I'll need to explain that. Some of you are like, what in the world does he mean by that? The temple is where Eden is reversed. So what happens at Eden? Do you know the story of Genesis? Uh, God creates you know, the sun, the moon, the stars, plants. He creates some people, humanity, whether this is a metaphor or literal. What we, what we believe and hope is that there was this place. Humanity was created in the presence of God where it was all perfect. And people walked with God and talked with God, Adam and Eve, in the cool of the day, spent time with God himself, talking with him. And it was all perfect. There was no sin. There was no death. And it was just wonderful. And, and God said, hey, this is all great, but I'm going to give you um, free will. And, and there's going to be a tree. And you could do anything you want. You could eat from any other tree. Just don't eat from this one. Just don't eat this one. Don't touch this one. Don't look at it. Just this one. And there's something about free will where it really shows that we love the Lord if there's, if, you know, if we're forced to love the Lord, where, where is the love in that? And free will, there's a lot of theology and philosophical conversations surrounding the free will question. But God just says, don't eat from this tree. And, and what do we do? It's like, it's like, who knows how long? Was it 10 minutes? Was it a lifetime? I don't know. Adam and Eve, what do they do? Yeah, they go over and they eat from the tree. I always picture an apple. I don't know why. Maybe because that's what's in paintings. They take from the tree, they eat of the fruit, and then what do they do? They're like little toddlers. They run and they hide, like behind the couch. And 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 the and dad, the God Himself, walks in. Now, now this isn't a trick question. Does God know everything? Does God know where they are? And yet He comes into their world. They're hiding behind the couch, and a good, loving Father comes into the world and says, where, where are you? Adam and Eve, where are you? As if he doesn't know, he, but he's entering into the world. He's in the story. He's showing his love. And Adam and Eve, they pop out and there's shame and there's disappointment and there's sin. And the Lord takes, it says he clothes them. And so to clothe them in animal skins, you have to kill the animal. An animal was killed. A sacrifice was made. Their shame is covered. And then they, 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 in that conversation, they're still like walking away from the Lord because they have this chance, like, like they have this chance to say they're sorry and own up to it. But instead they point fingers at each other and say, the, the, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. And they're still, they're, they're still not taking responsibility. They're, they're running away from the Lord and the Lord runs after them, even in this conversation. And then uh, the, there's the sacrifice, and then there's the angel cherubim set up to protect the place that they were, and they can't go there anymore. They're, and they continue to walk away 
from the Lord. And what's interesting is that the temple seeks to reverse all this. So let, let me try to explain. Uh, the Lord gives Moses what he wants the tabernacle to look like. The tabernacle was the uh, semi-permanent place of worship. The temple will be the permanent place of worship built off of the, the, the tabernacle and what it looked like. And what you see is Eden reversed. So we have a, a picture, an artist representation uh, that we could put on the screen here of the temple. I realize it's pretty small for you to look at, but it'll give you the gist. It's kind of a cutaway so you could see inside. And uh, what you see on the outside is uh, on this uh, right-hand side, the fire. And so the temple, as you w went to the temple to worship, you would bring something very costly to you, an animal, a cow, uh, a, a goat, a lamb, a ram. Uh, th those things in the ancient world were very expensive. This was your livelihood and you would bring it and you would sacrifice its life and its worth to the Lord. You come to the Lord and sacrifice. And then on the fire, that sacrifice would be burnt up. It'd be gone. It brought to the Lord's sacrifice. So, so thinking about like Eden being undone or Eden being reversed, well, like once again, the reminder of that sacrifice, that, that first sacrifice that, that covered the shame of Adam and Eve, a sacrifice is made to cover our own sin and shame so that we can go into the temple. We can go eventually to the Holy of Holies. So as, as you enter the temple, uh, there's a basin of water there. There's also a basin, several basins here. That's for washing, getting clean before the Lord, before entering his space. You would go into the temple, and I know you can't see this because it's a small image, but there's several lampstands to represent that God is the light of the world. There's a table in the middle. It has uh, bread on it to remind people that, that uh, God took care of the people in the desert, giving them manna. You know, Jesus says he's the light of the world. Jesus says he's the bread of life. And so we have these things in the temple to remind us that God is the one who is worshiped. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that lights up the world. And so as you enter, uh, there's the next room, the final room. It's an it's a exact square. There's angels in there, cherubim, once again, protecting the place of worship. So thinking about Eden being reversed, you're walking towards God instead of away from God. There's a sacrifice undoing what has been done. There's the going in instead of the going out. There's the, the further in. There's angels protecting this place of God. Here it's just statues of angels, uh, but the statues like protecting the place where God and humanity walked arm in arm, hand in hand, in the cool of the day, that relationship. And if uh, you were able to go into the Holy of Holies, which was only the job of one person at one time of year, you'd get to walk through a curtain, and in there would be the place where God's name dwelt. And we would say, as even Solomon says in this prayer, it's like, well, you know, this temple can't contain you. Nothing contain you. You are God. You are this ultimate being that has made all things. Nothing can contain you. And yet, God promises that his name would be there. So if you were able to go into this curtain, you would see the, the place, the presence where the, the Lord sat, the mercy seat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant being protected by angels. And we are now invited into this space. Point number three is this in this sermon. You, I, are invited to enter God's holy presence. I'll say that again. I don't, I don't want you to miss that because we're invited. You know, sometimes we feel like we're, we're ashamed 
we've, we've messed up, we've sinned. And maybe some of you, as I was telling that story of Adam and Eve, maybe as, as we run away and as we realize we're in shame, where's God as we're running away? Where, where's he? He's, he's running after us. Maybe some of you today, that's, that's what you needed to hear, that God is running after you as you're running away from him. But we're invited to walk towards God. We're invited to enter God's holy presence. You know, something very interesting happens when Jesus is on the cross. All the synoptic gospels record this. It says as Jesus is dying on the cross that the curtain in the temple is torn from top to bottom as if God's hands are taking the curtain the curtain that was separating the temple from the most holy of holies, that space that's being protected by the statue angels and where God's name is, that curtain, do you know this verse? It's like one little verse in the New Testament as Jesus is dying. It says the temple, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. How interesting is that? That, that we are now allowed, we are now able to go into the holy of holies. And some of you don't know this. Some of you are like, well, where's the temple today? I remember people teaching about the temple. And I was like, well, why can't we go? You know, like, is it still around? Like, where is it? It was in Jerusalem. Uh, Solomon built it. It was destroyed. And then it was rebuilt by Ezra and Nehemiah. And then it is in the time of Jesus. There is the temple and the, the, the curtain separating the holy of holies from the temple is torn at that time. But then it's just within Jesus the people who were living at Jesus' time, the temple is then destroyed again in 70 AD, and it has yet to be ever rebuilt again. It is now the, the place in which it was built. There's now a holy site of Islam. There was holy sites of Christianity. The, the temple has yet to be rebuilt. And so I often wonder, as, as a, a Jewish person, someone in a Jewish religion, um, like, like, how do you, you know, thinking about like the Holy of Holies and the sacrifice, how are you, how are your sins atoned for? How are you not looking forward to the Messiah? How do you not look back and not see that Jesus, God himself, was the ultimate sacrifice and the temple was, the, the curtain was torn, allowing us to enter in. So I want to, I want to lead us through a prayer. I want us to imagine ourselves at this temple. Would you stand with me as if you're standing at the temple. The worship band, you can come forward. If you're serving communion, you can come forward as well. We're going to lead this prayer into a time of receiving communion. But as you're standing there, I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself standing at the temple. There's, there's animals being sacrificed. There's animals um, giving their life for atonement. And as people are allowed then to, to worship and wash their hands in the basin, they're trying to become clean. They're looking into the temple, and as the doors open, they would, they would look in and they would see a curtain. And at that time, as, as you imagine yourself looking at a curtain, you can't enter that holy place. Only a, one priest, the high priest, once a year, would go into that space, and they would make a sacrifice for the people. But, but the normal person, the average person, and the average time couldn't go in to that space. And yet we all long to be there. We all long to go to this space where God is, 
We long for things to be made right. We long for that creation of, of, of God walking with us and talking with us in the cool of the day. We all long for that. There's something in our hearts that's missing and it's a relationship with the Lord. And what I wanna tell you is that the temple curtain has been torn from top to bottom and we can now not just look in, we can go in. And when the, the saints gather, we, we have access to this place, this holy place that, that the Bible in, in the book of Hebrews 8.5 says that this temple is like a shadow, a copy of what's in heaven. There, there's, there's this heavenly temple that we long for, this space. And, and to, to compare it, the other side of that same coin is that Revelation says there's no temple in heaven. No one will say, hey, you need to know God because God will be right there. And so the metaphor, the beauty of the temple on earth, this, this church, this place on earth, the gathering of the saints, is that it reflects a relationship with the Lord, that we can go to him, that we could be in his holy presence and be with him. So as we come through the communion lines, we're gonna come forward, we're gonna walk through. We come with empty hands. The, the communion servers will say Christ's body and blood for you. And in your open hands, you'll receive Christ's body and blood, his sacrifice for us, his invitation to us that we might enter into the most holy place with him and have relationship with him and have peace with God, our creator. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. He took a cup. He said, this is a cup of a new covenant, my blood shed for you. So as you come through the lines, know that the gifts of the God, gifts of God are for the people of God. The body of Christ is for the body of Christ. Would you come now and receive?
returns we each week will receive this bread and this cup would you hold the bread with me think about not only being invited into the temple but allowed to go back to the holy of holies and allowed to eat the food that is there christ's body broken for us would you receive this bread with me and here we lift the cup of a new covenant jesus says it's god himself saying this is my blood shed for you once and for all the the forgiveness of all your sins we can receive this and know that we're forgiven so would you lift this cup and drink it with me so Lord we are in awe of you we are in awe of your love for us that your holy presence is a place where you're inviting us into you're inviting us to receive and to know you deeply to come into your house, your home, and have a meal with you. Lord, until we die, until you return again, Lord, we, we lift your name high in this place. We know that there's power here as the saints gather to proclaim your victory, to proclaim your truth, the light of the world, the bread of life. Lord, we love you and we praise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God's people said, Amen. Well, as you go from here, know that this place is powerful. It's the whole message. And so if you want prayer, you can pray out there. You could ask someone next to you to pray with you, but you could also come forward. You, could, you can come to the altar. You can come into the presence of the Lord where there's, there's power in this place. There's power in the gathering together and praying over each other. So if you would like prayer, come down and pray. The, the, the people that led communion, myself, uh, some people from the band will be down here to pray with you, to pray for you. If you're new or newish, 
we have a welcome table outside and it has a card. You can fill that out by paper or on your chairs. There's, you can, you can uh, do a QR code as well. Uh, I would love to put you on our email list. I can contact you personally if you would like. Uh, a lot of things happening around here uh, as New Life Manitou. One of those things is that we're going to have a baptism service not too long from now, October 15th. If you would like to be baptized, we'll have a sign up at the table outside, as well as you could just come and mention to me that you would like to be baptized and celebrate the things the Lord is doing in your life. We would love to be a part of that journey with you. Uh, That's next month, October 15th. Uh, Another announcement is that uh, an outreach we're doing is called Operation Christmas Child. And in the back as you leave, uh, there's there's boxes, there's little sheets like this uh, saying that we, we need to to get things together. We're going to put them in shoe boxes and with this incredible organization, uh, millions of boxes uh, as we partner with other churches are going to send boxes with an invitation to a local church. Uh, our, I think our boxes are going to boys five to nine in South America. And so it's going to be a, a part of their Christmas present. So we're packing these boxes. Uh, we need a whole bunch of things that are on the back of your sheet. We're going to be p- packing these things next week. They especially need toothbrushes and toys. Uh, the lady, Jenny, who's kind of overseeing this ministry, said that in a lot of places of the world, people have one toothbrush in their household and they share it. And so what a gift it would be to get a toothbrush of your own. That's like a very real need. And so bring toothbrushes, toys. Uh, there's a list of things on the back. Bring it next week. We're going to spend some time after church, maybe about an hour after church, packing these things together. Bring desserts to share if that's something you're interested in. And uh, we will stay after church and pack these things so that we can send them all over the world, uh, especially for boys five to nine in South America. Uh, your other announcement, one more announcement, is that women's group will be meeting right here this Thursday, 6.30. Let me pray a blessing over you. If you're comfortable opening up your hands just that to receive a blessing, would you do that? Lord, I pray. May you bless and keep. May you make your face to shine upon us. Lord, would you lift your countenance upon us? Would you bring us your peace, your presence, your light, your bread inside of us that we might go from this place and proclaim your truth? to proclaim your love in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.